Hello, and welcome to the Hypochondriac's Almanac podcast. I took a bit of a long break there, and I am back, but things have been a little bit crazy. I had a move from the West Coast to the Midwest, and throughout all of this, we have this coronavirus monster that has popped up in the midst of all of this, and it has pretty much meant a lot of changes for me, for my podcast crew, and for a lot of us. And so I apologize for that long break in between, but we are back and ready to provide you guys with some interesting, crazy, and phenomenal medical news at the moment. This is that podcast, in case you had forgotten, for all of you out there that secretly think you have a new disease every time you have a sniffle, a slight twinge, or a headache, it's not a tumor. We understand, we identify, and we have definitely scoped out WebMD more than our fair share of the times. So we are here to talk about weird diseases, strange illnesses, crazy syndromes, and rare disorders. We're back, folks. That's right. In the meantime, though, we are going to jump into a little bit of a disclaimer. First and foremost, we're not doctors, nurses, or medical professionals of any kind. Please don't take what we say as medical advice. We're not trying to treat, diagnose, or fix any of your medical conditions. If you have an issue, please see a doctor. Don't guess or take what we say as a diagnostic tool. We just want to talk about all of the fun and weird parts of the medical world in the past, present, and the future. Let's jump right in. We've got some cool stuff to talk about with you guys today. I know in the past, our show has put out a lot of information about the coronavirus, and we've provided you guys with details and numbers and symptoms and comparison to the flu and all kinds of other stuff, but I really prefer to stick away to stay away from that at this point. I know that there is a lot of information out there, and I feel like a lot of us have been bombarded by it, and I just don't really want to talk about it anymore. So I have one article that is somewhat coronavirus-related, I got a bunch of stuff from medicaldaily.com and there was an article that came out a couple weeks ago or maybe a week ago about nicotine patches and this article is called Coronavirus Prevention Can Nicotine Patches Lower the Risk of Contracting COVID-19? Darwin Malikaderm was the author for this article and again, this was from medicaldaily.com. But nicotine patches may soon be added to the growing list of tools that could potentially help protect people from the novel coronavirus. Researchers in Paris plan to test the compound on patients and frontline health workers after tobacco appeared to be helping reduce the risk of infection among smokers. And I think this is kind of contrary to what medical professionals initially thought. But in any case, this effort comes after one study showed people who frequently smoked cigarettes had a lower risk of contracting COVID-19 and developing severe symptoms because of the disease. Researchers said exposure to nicotine potentially provided the protection that we might need and that could lower that risk. The compound might be preventing the coronavirus from reaching cells in the body and causing the disease, according to specialists. They've added that nicotine could also help prevent overreaction of the immune system, which could cause more serious complications of the coronavirus in patients. Researchers at French hospitals already have begun to gather data from about 500 patients with the coronavirus, and at least 350 of these participants were hospitalized while the rest stayed at home for their recovery. Initial findings showed that, that only 4.4% of those admitted to the hospital had a smoking history. 
Among those who are allowed to recover at home because of less severe symptoms, 5.3% were smokers. This cross-sectional study strongly suggests, according to experts, that those who smoke every day are much less likely to develop a symptomatic or severe infection of the coronavirus compared with the general population. The effect is pretty significant, and it divides the risk by five for ambulatory patients and four for those admitted to the hospital. And this is so very rarely seen in medicine. However, the team noted that these studies are just initial and that many, many, many more studies are required to confirm their findings. The next step will be to involve nicotine patches provided to healthcare workers and patients with the virus, as well as those in intensive care to understand how the compound directly protects the body. Despite the use of nicotine in the clinical studies, researchers said people should not consider lighting more cigarettes to avoid the coronavirus. Smoking alone can be deadly and even put people at a higher risk of lung problems amid the pandemic that we are now dealing with. So don't rush out and get cigarettes. Don't rush out and get those nicotine patches yet. Stay tuned for more information as the studies continue and as more research comes out for this particular issue. Next article, putting soil on wounds may stop deadly bleeding study finds. And this, again, is another article from Medical Daily, and it's sort of one of my favorite websites now. But this was interesting I think this is some older kind of information that maybe old wives tales created in the past, but this article came out last week and Darwin Malik Derm was also the author of this one. Keeping your wound a little dirty may be helpful to speed up healing. Researchers have found that soil could trigger a natural process that causes blood clotting and controls bleeding after injuries. New studies published in the Blood Advances Journal found putting soil in wounds works with a special blood protein that helps limit blood loss and seal wounds faster. However, researchers warned that using unsterilized dirt improperly can lead to infection, so don't go smear a bunch of dirt from your backyard into a wound. Soil is not simply our matrix for growing food and for building materials, senior authors and professors are now saying. Here they have discovered that soil can actually help control bleeding after injury by triggering clotting. Surprisingly, researchers also found that soil interacts with the protein and promotes faster clotting only in humans and other mammals that live on land. This finding demonstrates how terrestrial mammals ranging from mice to humans evolved to naturally use silicates as a specific signal to trigger blood clotting. These results will have a profound impact on the way we view our relationship with our environment, and researchers hope that using sterilized dirt can help develop new strategies to manage bleeding and understand infection after trauma. Research teams plan to continue their studies to understand how the blood responds to microbes in soil and to prevent infection. Future studies will also collect samples from the moon to see if lunar soil could also help activate different factors in our blood and treat wounds faster. This could also help to protect astronauts in future space explorations. Another potential benefit of using soil to of using soil to control bleeding is its vast presence. 
teams of researchers hoped the findings would also provide resources to manage wounds in very remote environments with limited resources of medical supplies. In these areas, sterilized soil may replace common wound sealing products like sponges and sealants to help prevent deadly bleeding following injuries. The study states that excessive bleeding causes 40% of mortality in trauma patients. Very, very interesting stuff. The next article is also somewhat related to healing. I found this one to be particularly interesting. Again, another article from medicaldaily.com and same author. This is in the weird medicine category, and it's essentially the title of the article says it all, and it's Man Injects Own Semen for Chronic Back Pain Treatment. A man from Ireland left doctors surprised by his unusual chronic pain treatment. The 33-year-old man believed that injecting his own semen into his arm could help reduce his back pain and manage his condition. The unnamed patient visited a Dublin hospital in the past year due to lower back pain brought on by lifting a heavy object. But physicians noticed other health problems since his right arm was red and slightly swollen. His x-ray results later revealed signs of serious infection under the skin of his lower arm. The man admitted that before going to the hospital, he tried a very unique treatment for chronic back pain. He would fill a syringe with his own semen and inject it into his right arm in hopes that it had a positive effect on his condition. This man took his self-made treatment once a month for a year and a half. In a case study published in the Irish Medical Journal, doctors said that the patient even increased the amount of semen to several injections for a month prior to visiting the hospital, and this possibly caused the infection in his arm. Well, I think that's probably pretty much a given at that point, but the study describes his case as the first of its kind in medical history. Researchers looked for similar methods, both in clinical and alternative areas, but it appears that the first this is the first time a person used his own semen for chronic pain. Ugh. A comprehensive review of medical techniques and a wider internet search was conducted with an emphasis on intravenous semen injection for the treatment of back pain as well as for other medical and non-medical uses. Although there is a report of the effects of a subcutaneous semen injection into rats and rabbits in 1945, there were no cases of intravenous semen injection into humans found across any of the literature that was looked into. But it's not the first time semen has been used to help treat certain conditions. Some people actually reported that the semen was injected in small amounts for testing of allergic reactions and semen sensitivities, but not for pain management and control. Doctors said that the Irishman had cellulitis, a bacterial infection of the skin. He received intravenous antimicrobial drugs, but discharged himself from the hospital after his back felt better without further treatment. Don't try this at home, listeners. Do not use your own semen for anything. That just seems super gross. In any case, next article, keto diet benefits. So we've all heard a ton of them. 
the medicaldaily.com website has this article that is titled Keto Diet Benefits High Fat Diet May Help Manage Asthma. And this is one thing that I don't think many people have considered when they have thought about trying the keto diet. We all want to lose weight. We all want to look good in our bikini. We want to look and feel healthy. But I don't think anyone anticipated that it could have benefits potentially for the condition of asthma. A new study shows that the health benefits of keto diet could help manage asthma. The very low-carb, high-fat diet lowers the inflammation of the respiratory tract, which may then help reduce the prevalence of respiratory conditions like asthma. Researchers at the University of Bonn in Germany explained that asthma attacks occur due to severe inflammation of the bronchi and increased mucus production. Their study shows that increased consumption of fats in a keto-based diet could help prevent these changes. The eating plan helps reduce inflammation by improving the function of innate lymphoid cells, or ILC, in the immune system. These cells play an important role in protecting the lungs by repairing damaged mucous membranes. ILC works with cytokines that stimulate division of the mucosal cells and promote mucus production. The two cells help the body speed up the process to fix damage caused by pathogens or harmful substances. However, ILC and cytokines can also contribute to the occurrence of asthma. And in people with a lung condition, the inflammatory reaction caused by the cells is much stronger and longer than normal, according to professors and researchers who are looking into this issue, but ILC rapidly multiplies and releases large amounts of cytokines that could lead to higher inflammation and problems with breathing. Researchers said reducing or slowing down the division of the cells may help prevent asthma. And they found, also related, that eating more fats but less carbs and protein on the keto diet could help manage ILC activities, Researchers tested the effects of the eating plan on asthmatic mice in order to find this. The study published in the Journal of Immunity shows switching to fats or an alternative energy source for cells led to changes in cell metabolism. Researchers said that changes occurred because of shortage of fatty acids and glucose deficiency. The high-fat approach that helped reduce the division activity of ILCs and boost its function that protect the lungs. Normally, contact with allergens increases the number of ILCs in the bronchial fourfold, researchers say, but in this particular experiment with animals, it remained almost unchanged. Both mucus production and other asthma symptoms decreased accordingly. Researchers hope to continue the study to see how the keto diet can help prevent asthma attacks in people. We are therefore trying to determine which components of the dietary change are responsible for this particular effect, researchers said. Maybe this will open the door to the development of new drugs. So keep your eye out on that. Interesting that they can attribute that to helping manage asthma. We will provide more information as it comes out. The final article that I want to talk about today I thought was particularly interesting as well. I found it as on lifescience.com. The author is Mindy Weisberger, and it came out mm, about a month ago. And the title of the article is Woman's Transplanted Man Hands Became Lighter and More Feminine Over Time. A young woman in India who lost both of her hands in a bus accident received limbs from a darker-skinned male donor. 
Years later, the skin of her transplanted hands has lightened. And after her accident in 2016, Shreya arms, and it, excuse me if I mispronounced that name, it is a little bit challenging for me, and it was a very, very long name. But in any case, this young 18-year-old woman's arms were amputated below the elbow after an accident. In 2017, she underwent a 13-hour transplant operation performed by a team of 20 surgeons and 16 anesthesiologists. Her transplanted hands came from a 21-year-old man who died after a bicycle crash. But over the next year and a half, physical therapy improved this young woman's motor control of her arms and hands, which gradually became leaner than they were at the time of the transplant. But there was another unexpected change. The skin on her new limbs, which had been darker because the donor had a darker complexion, now became lighter in color, so they more closely matched her own skin tone, according to the Indian Express. The doctors who treated this young woman suspect that her body produces less melanin than her donors did, which could explain the lightening of her new limbs. Melanin is a pigment that lends skin its color, but more research is required to confirm the cause, according to the Indian doctors who examined this young woman. Candidates for hand transplants undergo evaluations and consultations that can span months, according to the Mayo Clinic. Experts assess the patient's overall health, conduct blood tests and x-rays, and evaluate nerve function in the amputated limbs. Eligible applicants are then placed on a waiting list and are matched with hand donors based on factors like skin color, hand size, and blood type, according to the Mayo Clinic. This young woman's visit to the transplant center in India resulted in her registering for a transplant that coincided with a hand donation that matched her blood type. Her surgery was the first double hand transplant performed in Asia, as well as the continent's first intergender limb transplant, according to the Indian Express. I am the first female in the world to have male hands, this young woman said in a video shared on Facebook in June of 2019. This was all as a result of the Mohan Foundation, a charitable non-government organization that supports pioneering research in transplantation and organ donation in India. One explanation for her hands taking on a more feminine shape could be that the muscles were adapting to their new host, according to physiotherapists who worked with this young woman in her home city. The nerve begins to send signals, it's called reinnervation, and the muscles function according to the body's needs. The muscles in this young woman's hands may have started adapting to a female body. In the video, she rolls up her left sleeve to show where the transplanted forearm joined her arm, noting that its formerly darker color had lightened since she received the transplant in 2017. Now it matches my own skin color, she said. Fewer than 100 people have received hand transplants worldwide, according to John Hopkins Medicine in Baltimore. Sidana Gower's doctors are monitoring the changes in her hands, color, and shape, and they expect to publish the details of her transplant and recovery in a case report. However, more evidence will still be required to understand what is driving these changes in her transplanted hands, according to Indian doctors. Super interesting. What a neat thing that they're able to provide her 
with donated limbs to allow her to be able to live as normal as possible after such a terrific and tragic accident. In any case, we are going to wrap the podcast up there for the day. This is the point where we say so long, farewell. Please rate, review, and subscribe. If you have any questions, comments, or suggestions, you can always shoot us an email. We're at hypoalmapodcast at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Instagram at podcast.addict. You can check out pictures that we post of the particular cases and people that are featured on the stories. We would also ask that you please, please, please rate, review, and subscribe on whatever podcast platform that you choose to utilize to listen to our program. This is so, so very important to us, and it really helps us stand out from the competition, reach a larger audience, and come up higher on searches that people are looking at on iTunes or or Stitcher, or Spotify, or whatever podcast platform they use. Please join us again next week when we talk more about strange medical news, conditions, and treatments. Good night, podcast peeps. Stay healthy, keep it real, and always live your very best life. Bye!